We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining us. From Las Vegas, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. What's going on, Sean? Oh, boys, uh, it's good to see you. Um, I'm surviving Las Vegas. This is my virtual postcard to the world that says, yes, I am alive. And I think I need to just have a residency here because I see so many entertainers throughout the Strip that have residencies here. I spend far too much time in Las Vegas, and uh, I do like the city. And uh, things have, it's been treating me quite well, but uh, I need to get away from some, I need to lay low for the next few days. I think that's what I'm looking forward to most. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, <laughs> Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse, uh, the King's Pulse podcast and King's Herald. What's going on, Brendan? Not too much. Yeah, enjoying myself out here in Vegas. And I think that Sean is lying through his teeth about laying low for the next few nights. I think I heard this same thing yesterday, and Sean was definitely out last night. There, there is a whole lot of Sean Cunningham's in Las Vegas. I will say. What does that mean? It's a great thing. It's just people I enjoy being around and having a good time with, you know. Which we have not been able to do yet, and 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 part of that is my fault. I'll, I can pull the curtain back a little bit, as you, you know, Brendan is staying, <laughs> like, you know, there's a town outside of Las Vegas called Summerlin, another one called Henderson, and they're somewhat close to Las Vegas. I think Brendan is staying out by the Hoover Dam, which is a little bit farther. <laughs> and <laughs> he might be—he might be in Arizona for his commute. I'm not so sure. And in full-on transparency, like I we land, I landed it Thursday, last Thursday. We're recording this on Monday. I landed on Thursday and immediately had three solid straight days of like 12-hour days for work. I mean, this is—we—it was pretty tough. But I also find time to to still get it in if you know what i mean so and uh i, I go out do my thing and uh god damn the kings for having tip-off times at you know noon and one 
to just start off summer league because, as you know, in, at, at Fox 40, we're we're doing newscasts in the 11 o'clock hour, and we have a big long one at 10 o'clock. So uh, these guys get to go out and enjoy the day and the night, and then they're probably tired by the time I get ready to hit the town. I feel like I've done well, but I but I I like the schedule coming up. There's some breathability in there, and I think we're going to be able to hang out, Brendan, because you need to experience Vegas. Yeah, we're going to have to figure it out, Sean, because, yes, you are starting by the time I'm I'm kind of wrapping up. Woke up to an invite phone call one time, and I was already asleep when I got that one. And it's great because, as James can attest, I do invite. I will. It may be late, but we're, I, I'm a man of my word, so you do see the invite. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've hung out in Vegas with Sean a couple of times. Um, we did have the one night where um, Jason Jones tried to climb the rock wall, yep. uh, which Failed. is some of the greatest uh, <laughs> footage of all time. We're going to have to be uh, careful. We're going to have to be careful <laughs> with some of these stories, James, so <laughs> tread lightly. Tread lightly. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we've had some good nights in Vegas. Um, it, it's, been a, it's been a while, though, since I've gone. Um, and, you know, I just I don't miss it. Uh, while you guys were doing that, I was I was floating out on the lake, uh, so I was having a I was having a good time while it was a uh, 113 there. Is that what it was? It, it, you know, the, the air conditioning you don't feel it, and 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 at night it, I thought it was great last night. We were in the uh, there was a pool party kind of thing uh, at the win. There was a tip off party, and Diplo was there, and it was by this pool. Everyone was having a good time, and uh, ran into Alex Len. Oh, had had a nice little chat with Alex Len. Um, won't really go much more about that, but uh, Alex Len was, was 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 good to kind of catch up with him for a minute. And then uh, you, you can say Paris of... Hilton. No, not this time. Not this time, <laughs> thankfully. But I will say, uh, you know, no, it's, it, was, it was good. You have a lot of the NBA treating their people nice. Um, good chance to catch up with a lot of people. You, uh, James was definitely missed, and I know Brendan was uh, gonna join, gonna go there. Yeah, I got there, and I think some of the other people I was with were not the most excited about doing it, and I didn't want to ditch everyone. And it was already a little bit later in the day, and I heard that it ended at midnight, but there was an after party, and I just wasn't sure exactly when it was ending, so it was just a handful of things that made me end up not doing it, and just so I could watch Sean Cunningham's Instagram story in the morning and regret every decision I made last night. I think you all should go to my Instagram story because not only will you still be able to see what that atmosphere was like, and it was it was nice, but this morning I was able to take you all on the tour of House of Gaga because Lady Gaga has a residency uh, where I am staying and uh, had a nice had a nice trip with Pierre Nujum, two big Lady Gaga fans, you know, going to check out House of Gaga, which is kind of cool. Was it, is she back there? Is she doing it? She's not here right now or else I'd be there probably twice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, she's, she's not there now. Aerosmith was supposed to be here, but we know what all happened to Steven Tyler. Uh, Brendan Aerosmith is this band who's now, uh, yeah, yeah, real yeah. Hard. anyway, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um, but, <laughs> uh, they, they had to cancel. And so, no, she'll be back. I think later this year, I don't know, but, uh, it's, it's good times. Yeah, so um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I for my wife's birthday, which is my wife and I have the same birthday, um, but for her birthday, I had surprised her with Lady Gaga tickets and, on a Saturday night and Gwen Stefani on a Friday night in Vegas. 
and then the pandemic hit and we have floating out there us and some friends of ours like a $2,400 voucher for Lady Gaga tickets uh, that's how much it was to go so it's pricey to go see her um, but yeah we eventually we'll get to Vegas to go use those but like we have a gigantic voucher trying to go back uh, it was it was a downer <laughs> yeah that sucks that's yeah. Awesome. All right. People get upset. I don't know. Uh, whatever. They get upset if we don't get into the show at some point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what Sean said. Um, yeah. You know who you are out there. Go ahead. Um, so if uh, you're watching on YouTube, uh, give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button. We're like flying towards 2000 uh, subscriptions on YouTube, which is amazing. Uh, we had a, one of the pods break 7,000 views uh, last week. Wow. Uh, yeah, so we're cruising, and we're having a good time doing this, and uh, we're going to carry you all the way through the summer. I'm glad you guys are going to be down there uh, for another game. Um, Sean, when are you coming home? Not soon enough, man. Uh, <laughs> no, I come back uh, Friday, so I'll be able to see the big one. I think that's the Thunder, Chet Holmgren and the Thunder on Wednesday, and then I don't know who they play on Friday off the top of my head. but uh, Suns, right? Yeah, I'm like the last flight out of town. Uh, I, I arrive in Sacramento Saturday morning. So, you know, it will probably be like my own private flight. because They might even cancel it. I didn't think about that because I'm – who leaves Vegas at like 10 o'clock at night to go to Sacramento? At ten, <laughs> on, a, uh, on a Friday night. Again, on well, a Friday night. Well, yeah, but it doesn't end. It doesn't – like the, the night doesn't end. So, True. you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. We'll be all right. I, I, I'll be able to get to that that final game, and I think that's an evening game too. I don't, James. You probably have the schedule in front of you. I don't, but um, yeah, man. Yeah, the. I'll be out uh, here. I think it's the Suns. They finish with the Suns, right? Blue um, King. Yeah, and Brendan, when are you? You're heading out on Wednesday. Wednesday night. Um, I'm going to be rushing from the pressers to the airport, um, mm. and then getting out of there, and hopefully, Chet plays because Paulo just got shut down today. And I'm hoping that's not a theme. You know, Paulo's out now. Shaden Sharp is out. Jaden Ivey's out. Dyson Daniel's out. People are dropping like flies. So hopefully uh, we actually do get Chet and Keegan. It, it, it appears that Sean has is, is got to take a call. He, he's leaving us for a moment. Paris Hilton uh, needs help right now. Right now. Uh, Paris Hilton uh, is, of course, Sean is, is her personal savior. Um, we, if you don't know what story that is, uh, you got to come to a happy hour one of these days. Um, okay. So, so Brendan, let's just get straight into it because, um, clearly the, the Sacramento Kings are the Sacramento Keon Ellis's. And I know that you're the biggest fan <laughs> in the history of Keon Ellis. Uh, you know, so you've got your own fan club started already. Um, man, has he looked good? Uh, it just like... He's a three and D guy. He's exactly what everyone needs, <laughs> whether they can find it or not. Typically, the Kings can't, but man, he's got some upside. Yeah, he's pretty dreamy, James. Uh, I'm kind of all about it. Um, <laughs> I, I think that anybody that hasn't been impressed with Keon Ellis would be pretty surprising to me, specifically on the defensive end. I, I think that he has left more to be desired offensively. He shot a lot of threes um, in, in these two games in Vegas. He went five to six in the first one. In the second one, he went three to seven. Um, so he's eight of 13 here. He went two of 10 in the three games at the Cal Classic. 
And I kind of asked Jordy about it yesterday post game. And he said that uh, we were telling Keon that every time he's open to shoot the ball and every time he touches the ball, he's open. So you can see Keon getting more shots up. I think that whenever he takes more than two dribbles, it uh, probably doesn't lead to great results. His decision-making sometimes has left to be desired, specifically like in transition. But I think when he's just put in spots that he just needs to finish the play rather than keep it going necessarily, I think that he's been solid on offense. Um, I swear if he's in front of the opposing bench that it's going down and he's going to turn and talk some talk some crap on the way out of there. Um, so if if the offense continues to come around, then – there might be something there because defensively he is a pest and just disruptive the entire game long. Yeah. It seems for whatever reason that, um, well, I mean, I guess it's coaching that it feels like some of these guys have been completely empowered to just shoot whenever they got the ball. Everyone has a green light. And I think we've seen it with Keegan. We've seen it with Keon. We've seen it with, uh, Nemi. We've seen it with, um, O'Connell, uh, we've seen it with Frankie Ferrari the other day. Uh, Frankie Ferrari came out firing like, "Hey, or is that?" Uh, we've seen it from McDermott. Um, Sean, what we were talking about, Keon Ellis, while you had to get up and take a call, but uh, I mean, first of all, did you save Paris Hilton? We're just wondering if you saved her in that moment. Had a little mini crisis, and uh, we're we're good now. I've got uh, I've got uh, some people coming in, and uh, I was do we had logistics, and that was. I had to make sure that they were good to go. So I think you we're talk like out. a mob boss, Sean. Well, I have to be very. Uh, I have to. Per- <laughs> I, I like to. What's Law and Order? Uh, no, I can't say it. That's not what it is. I, I like to protect the innocent, if you know what I mean. Nothing incriminates me. Like I, I there's no secrets for me. I, my, my, I'm out there. But uh, <laughs> there, some people ha- look. Some people. They they like to be a little more protected and uh, just want to make sure that I'm in the loop. All right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever what happens about? in Vegas stays in Vegas for sure. Yeah, man. It, well, it, for that matter, it's anywhere. We could be in Duluth, and I would have done the same. Uh, Brendan was talking about this. He was talking about questionable decision making. I was like, is he talking about me? Like this guy? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know who you were talking about there, but uh, Keon love Ellis. That. Keon. Oh yeah. I, well. That dude, I tweeted it yesterday, man. That guy is a bulldog. I, I like him a lot. Um, and and I want to rewind weeks ago when, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it on the chin here because Brennan was talking about how he's gonna dive into Keon Ellis tape. And I look, I I've seen Keon Ellis a lot. Like it's you know I've, I'd seen him, but I wasn't expecting much. Just okay, you're a summer league guy. You're gonna be a two way player perhaps. And 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 Brennan's like, I'm gonna dive into this. Like, dude, just go get a life. Go 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 find something to do with your life, your young go life, knit or something. Go watch Swingers <laughs> and hurry up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, and and I was, you know, I figured we'd just dive into it when we get here to summer league and all that. And um, he's been, it's translated really well. Uh, you know, he's a little bit better shooter than may I may have remembered. Um, certainly, he he's looking to push the pace. I think the defense is there, man. I, I, he's just. I want to see him and Davion play. I was talking to Davion, not to name drop. I was talking to Davion Mitchell just the other day about him, and his eyes just get all lit up. He's like, "That's the type of dog we need. That's the type of things that we, you know, that we need on this team." And and you know, it's so funny that of course he was shooting around at California Classic, and then here and he's always got a basketball here in Vegas. And uh, it, 
you can't you, you know the the uber competitor we've documented that so well but i think he he definitely admires what he sees in someone like keon ellis who can show that type of tenacity on the defensive end yeah i'll say this like i, I like what the kings have done so far every move that they've made i, I like malik monk i like kevin herter i like uh what we're seeing from keegan um, I'm, I'm still waiting for them to make the defensive moves that they have to make because while I like Keon Ellis and I think that he has a future, his future is not 2022-23. He's not the the backup small forward to Harrison Barnes. And so that tells me that the Kings have to find, they have to find defenders that will actually get on the, the court and play. And that's going to be a problem. I mean, again, like I can see an outline of something with Namias Keda that I really, really like. But hoping that he's going to play 82 games a season and give you 13 minutes a night and, and make some defensive plays and stuff, I don't see it. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, that doesn't mean he can't play. It just means that this season in particular, you need to go out and you need to bring in some more pieces that change the defensive culture and again, Keon Ellis can be one of those guys. He can be a guy that is a pest in practice and makes you better. But getting on the floor is going to be an, an issue in year one, at least. At least I would think so, because that's kind of how the Kings do things. Well, I'm yeah. glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Sorry, Brendan. Just a second. Just, the fact that I think people can hear us rave about somebody, and then all of a sudden in their mind's eye, they're oh, they're they're talking so good about this guy. Boy, he might be a rotational player. Then, you know, coming up, they might just all of a sudden. Put the get a little too far out over the skis there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm glad you mentioned that because again, it's just, it is a two way player. Lots can happen between now and and whenever the season is. But I, I think you just I think what we really see is what this front office likes and the people that they try to acquire. Um, there, there, there. I don't know if there's two. There's several common threads you te- you tend to see, um, and I think it becomes pretty noticeable. You want competitors. You want people who really love basketball. And I know people hear that and they go, well, that should be a, a, a given. I can, I think all three of us can tell people and look you right in the eye and say, it's not always the case. It it's just not really always isn't. the case. No, man. Yeah. Yeah. They need competitors and shooters. That's why 50 cent is right there in a King's jersey. It's as good <laughs> as it gets. <laughs> he was shot at though. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that brings us to Tuesday overreactions. <laughs> Um, Where's the Tylenol, by the way? What, what was what was more awkward? Fifty Cent sitting courtside next to uh, Vivek Ranadive or Vlade Divac sitting courtside next to Vivek Ranadive? Go ahead, Brandon. Awkward. I mean, the fifty thing was shocking. Like when he walked in, I was kind of joking around with people around me of who he was here for. And someone jokingly said, well, obviously he's here with Vivek. And sure enough, um, and for him to be wearing a Kings jersey later out on the strip, I just, that was definitely the more shocking one. We've seen Vlade, we've seen him around the last couple of days here, um, and we've seen him around the team before. So I was definitely more shocked with, with 50 said talking. And the, Vivek and him are talking the entire time, too. It's not just What do you think there. they talk about? I mean, I, I think that Vivek is probably questioning some of his lyrics and, you know, obviously just trying to understand <laughs> his artistic process. You know, is it process think... driven? Is, is, there, is, there, is there a thorough yeah. and process driven uh, approach? Have you ever considered jazz music, 50? 
you get rich or die trying. Love the album. Uh, must say your bulletproof vest really stood out. And, and yeah, I just I don't know I don't know what they, what what they could talk. About. I, look, I know people. I'm just making fun, but like, um, yeah, when he walked in, I knew he was here. Someone had told me he was you know because every time I get to Vegas, it's look at who's playing in town, and uh, I knew he was here. And when he showed up, it wasn't me being shocked that he was. Um, there to to be courtside or even there to even sit next to Vivek and company. No, it's dude, that's a noon game, man. Like, why are you, why are you at this game? So I was a little, I was like, once I thought and I said, okay, that makes sense. Vivek wanted someone to sit next to, that's fine. Um, but the overreaction with Vladi perhaps because, I mean, who doesn't like Vladi Divots? Like if you're, if you've ever spent any time with Vladi Divots, I know, I know you, he's not, you know, people look at him as a GM and James, I like to disagree. I, I see your point when you say that him being a general manager taints his time in Sacramento and all that stuff. And sure, I guess, but I think people can compartmentalize and and be hopefully hopefully have some common sense about them to keep the two apart. Um, it's not like Vladi came in here and said, "Hey, let me totally jack up this team and and ruin them." Um, that being said, uh, it didn't. It, we get it. It didn't go well. But I, <laughs> the funny moment for me was. And I actually have video. I was trying to pull Buddy Heald aside because he was sitting courtside. Uh, and he said he would talk to me, but everyone kept coming up and talking to him, and we just ran out of time. And so uh, I'm, I'm talking to Buddy. Vladi comes over, and I don't think they would mind if I shared this, but Vladi just kind of instantly comes in, gives him a hug, and uh, he, he says, if not for me, you'd be broke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great. I, I guess the question would be, which one? Which one said that? Vladi to Buddy, yeah. <laughs> I get you. I get you for sure. No, I mean, it, it was just, it was all in good fun. And it was, uh, I think Buddy was having fun. It, it, the awkward moment was kind of seeing Tyrese Halliburton there, who um, obviously feels a little way towards the organization. I don't think that, he's talked about how it moved on, but in the interview I had with him afterwards, I don't know if anyone, if you guys have seen it, but like right at the very end, I was kind of getting him to see, like, you know, is there still that kind of fire against the Kings, that kind of thing? And right after he he goes down, he has that quote where he says, "I asked him, I was like, oh, well, you know, you were such, you were loved by Sacramento. Is that ever kind of go away, or you know, is that still special to you? Whatever, however stupid way I asked it." And he he says, "No, my feelings towards the organization and the fans are different." And it's like, well, that was damning, you know. And it was, and then he, you know, he goes and he kind of daps up Wes and and Monty and. They were cordial and it was fine and it, it, you know there might have been a little awkwardness to it but um, I think everyone feels that they're in they're in good they're in a good spot right now and, and Tyrese is definitely happy and pretty excited about what the future holds in my in uh, Miami in, in uh, Indianapolis. Oh, bless you, James. That was a good bless one. You, yeah, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I'm better, but I'm not all the way better. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird that we're always going to have the Tyrese Halliburton-like awkwardness, which is too bad. Um, but when it comes to Wes Amani, I, I would be fully under, like, I would get why he he isn't exactly enamored with those guys because I, I know I had conversations within the walls of that organization days before the trade deadline, and I, I'm pretty sure he was told he was not going anywhere, and then he was traded. And, I, you know, things happen. Uh, I, I fully understand that, but uh, there are also ways that things get handled. And at least they did tell him before uh, he didn't learn about the trade uh, via yeah. via Twitter or anything else, which is good. Uh, Brendan, you ran into him too, right? 
I ran into him later that night. Yeah, just randomly kind of said hi. You guys smoke at Stogie's and play in blackjack? Of course, of course, the entire time. Um, (laughs) No, just just quickly ran into him uh, wandering around the strip and and said hi, and and that was it. Didn't want to bother him all too much. People coming up to him left and right, I feel like, and especially at the games, like so many people coming up to those guys just didn't want to be add on to it, you know? Yeah, did you ask him about his defense? No, you know, he knows that he sucks. It's all right. It, it can go unsaid. <laughs> he knows oh. that he sucks. Oh, man. Shots um, fired, man. Shots fired by Brendan, yes. Uh, okay, so um, we've been, you know, bouncing around. What have you guys thought spent on Kata? Because, I, I mean, to me, I mean, he hasn't played himself into the rotation, but he certainly has played himself into a conversation about, you know, being part of the team this coming year. Um, we haven't got any direct, uh, like, note from the team yet. Have have either of you guys heard anything about the calf injury? Is it anything that's going to keep him out? Only that Jordy said that they don't, at least this is yesterday. Now, the Kings are off today, Monday, as we record this. So um, I think they'll know a little bit more about it. I mean, I, I don't think it would it would shock anyone to not see him play anymore, especially considering he played last year. And I think, you know, as we talked about uh, last, last podcast, well, I know you guys were able to record one with when I was traveling, but the last one I was a part of you would you, we asked that question and I was a little disappointed in what we saw from, from Kata at the California classic. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's kind of fixed some of those errors, fixed some of those, those, some of those shortcomings. I think he was trying to be a little bit too, I need to be the guy. Uh, in some of those moments, uh, I think he was having a hard time holding on to the ball. Um, I think a lot of those things have, have were changed a little bit. I don't think he looked right yesterday uh, in, in in the Pacers game uh, for a good portion of the game. He looked uncomfortable. That said, he was very dominant uh, defensively, even especially defensively. Two huge blocks. Um, he clogged up the lane. He was he was get, he was performing very well. But if you watched him pretty closely, he just looked like he was in discomfort. Now, to hear that it was a calf injury would, was surprising to me because it kept looking like he was just stiff around the back or the lower back or the hips. Uh, and then when he walked off, um, I think there was concern that there was an ankle injury. I didn't see anything turn. I don't even know what play it happened on. But, again, I just didn't feel like he, he, he was playing it as he was moving as if he was dealing with some discomfort is just a long-winded yeah. way of saying it. I saw it about three plays earlier where it was like, oh, someone needs to call a timeout. He's there's something wrong. Um, I, I was thinking it could have been cramps. I mean, easily it could be cramps. Yeah. I think that would be the hope, um, but you don't know. But you know, yeah. even I'm, I'm saying even this goes back even to warmups when he was warming up, he just looked like I don't know, like you know, maybe slept on the wrong side of the bed. Who knows? I don't know what. But he, it looked very around the torso area where he was having just some some discomfort and couldn't get loose. Could be completely speculative and it could be completely unrelated. But that was my kind of feeling about it even before he left the game. Brennan? Yeah, before he went down in that one, I mean, that was the best game that he'd been having through that. You know, 16 and a half minutes, he had managed five blocks and 12 points and seven boards. Um, I was shocked at the end of the Orlando game to find out that he had 23 and eight. Like, he felt good, but I didn't know he put up those type of numbers. Um, I thought his finishing specifically has been really good. I think I kind of mentioned it in the last spot. I felt like he was more finesse and less physical than maybe I would have wanted. But 
there is value in those finesse finishes. He, he had this really nice reverse layup in that uh, Indiana game yesterday. He, he's been a really solid finisher around the rim with both hands, and, he, and he's pulling out the, uh, the jumper a little bit here. He obviously had that big one at the, be- at the end of the Orlando game um, and then also pulled one in the Indiana game. He also had a couple mid-rangers. After he hit one, I think he was kind of feeling himself a little bit, but they were, they were going down. I don't know that that's a shot that I'm going to want to continue to see necessarily, um, but it was going okay. He pulled the trigger on that one top of the key, the three, and then did the Jordan shrug. Like, did you not just see me bury <laughs> that game that, that to help force overtime against the Magic just yesterday? And what yeah. he said, uh, he told um, Emmanuel Terry and and someone else, like, you don't Paolo. know me, bro. Oh, yeah. was it Paolo? <laughs> it was Paolo, yeah. yeah. Paolo no, said you yeah. weren't supposed to hit that, and he said you don't know me. Yeah, he said you don't know me, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, to be honest, like, I've been so impressed with him. I, I was harsh on him about the California Classic. Um, I didn't think he was dominant. I didn't think he was physical enough getting to the boards. Um, I, I thought that he got outworked a couple of times. And I'm starting to think that it could possibly have been that he was thinking too much about new terminology and new ways to do things and new play calls and new things that he had just learned in the days before. And then by the time we got to Las Vegas, he was like, okay, I got this stuff. And I'm, I'm going to go back to who I, I should be, which is a gigantic man dominating the paint. And so I, I thought he was very good in the, the two games before he got hurt. Um, I don't know. Like the three that he hit was huge. Um, but the blocks, what did he have? He had two blocks in one play, uh, you know, and that was just spectacular. I think he looks like he belongs. And I also will make this claim, which you guys can blow me away for. Uh, but when I watch him play, he has a lot of the same tendencies, the same play style. He's not anywhere near as good, but some of the play style and tendencies of Sabonis. And I think he actually might fit better with the Kings than some of their other center options. Because when you pull Sabonis off the floor last year, we saw like the offense just looks so atrocious. And I think he can you can still run the ball through him. He still sets all those picks. He's active. He's big. He can go get rebounds. He can block shots. Um, I, I again, he's the closest thing you have to a player like that, as opposed to Holmes or as opposed to Len, who are two totally different types of centers. And and it's good to have variety. But if you were to lose Sabonis for any length of time. It also would be good to have somebody that you could continue to run the same play sets through who can handle some of it. He's not going to get the six or eight assists, but he is going to get a few. He does, He is a good passer. He is a, a an incredible screener, and he's also a guy who um, he knows how to clear space for a guy and, and give him room to shoot. I think right now I still do view him as the fourth center on this roster and, until I see it proven at the NBA level a little bit more consistently. Like I think the speed of guys that he's guarding, like I specifically remember last year seeing Jared Allen just blow by him so easily multiple times um, and and kind of almost give him a, almost felt like a lesson right there. Um, And he's talking about switching on the perimeter a lot and switching on guys and it's okay. I, I think it's different at the next level though. 
and the physicality still while he has all the tools because the only guy is more physical that we've or at least more um in, in better shape and bigger stronger be, should be able to enforce their will a little bit more the only two guys that i think stood out more than emmy are like uh paulo bancaro and freaking miles garrett who's messing around doing warm-up uh dunks like Nimi is absolutely huge so I think there's still an adjustment to NBA um, physicality that I want to see and I'm still I'm a little more cautious about the whole I I see people saying like maybe he should play over Len and I don't know that I'm there yet maybe that could become a thing this year but I I think I'd still need to see it at the next level this has been encouraging for sure but I'm still gonna hold off a little bit before I'm thinking he's in an NBA rotation quite yet. Brendan and I are in complete agreement. Uh, I think, you know, the G League serves him well. I think being around this team serves him well. And uh, I, I, I think there were some people surprised that he was going to be on Summer League again. That being said, I think even if he didn't have the calf injury, I, I, I feel like we've seen enough, at least from a, a Summer League standpoint with, with Nimi. I also want to see maybe what this team does a little bit with some of the like if they go smaller, so maybe not having Nimi on the floor there, um, getting a look at some of the other players in there could be could be kind of interesting. But, like, I, I don't think it's necessary for Nimi to continue to play, um, especially now that he does have the injury. But, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the pump the brakes with, uh, you know, maybe he can be that backup center. I, I just don't see it. Um, I, I, think, I think there's some – I think he could do better. Um, but I do feel like he has a nice feel for the game. I think you can see things kind of slowing down a bit. And, you know, I, I like the, the chippiness that he comes into. Like, he's um, not so much with the officials. Like, I think every time he gets called for something, he's, he's barking at them. But uh, to the point of knowing where the spacing should be on the floor, both offensively and defensively, uh, I know Frankie Ferrari has been in his ear so much. Um, I remember seeing that at the California Classic where, of all the people that Ferrari continues to talk to and be in the ear of, it's 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 Keda, and um, I love what what Frankie talked about uh, Nimi yesterday, uh, in t- in talking about just his feel for the game and and what he brings and kind of the development that he's shown and you know he as he mentioned Frankie somebody has played against him in the G League and 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 has seen him grow so uh, both as a I mean mainly as an opponent so now here he is as a summer league teammate and. Uh, I, I think it's. I think there's a lot to to be encouraged by for sure. Um, I just don't know what it looks like yet, and I think the good news is I think there's some people that are looking at him. I mean, he was the buzz of the game. I mean, there's a lot of people. We had some reporter uh, who came over to the the media availability. Usually gets a couple of reporters, national, whatever, but <laughs> there hasn't been many. I mean, Brendan can attest to. It. I mean, it's basically been your usual suspects for, for local uh, journalism in Sacramento. There hasn't been, in my opinion, too many bloggers or people international, whatever. And I think it was Nimi that really brought people over uh, yesterday because they didn't even know his name. They're just calling him out by number 88. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be a, like in the rotation and, and ready to, to play major minutes for the Kings this year. But at the, at the G League level... I would be shocked if he didn't average like 20 and 10 with three assists and, and two and a half blocks. And at some point he's going to get some looks, especially if you have injury issues or if you need to make a trade uh, with either Holmes or Len 
including Len as like a, an expiring deal or with Holmes as, you know, a, you're going out and getting something for Holmes. Um, so I at least think that you have something that you can, it's moldable clay. And, uh, and I like, I like the progression, like his body looks so much better than it did last year. I mean, when he walked in the building last year, uh, like for the in introductory press conference, he just looked like he was dragging around his lower half, you know? He, he looked like his upper body and his lower body wasn't connected, that he ne needed to do a lot of core work. I see a lot of that has tightened up, which is why he's been so much more versatile on the defensive end and, and chasing guys down. There's still, like, three more steps he can take. And the good thing is I kind of feel like the Kings want to be there to help him make those steps and, and help him carry forward. So um, it, it's good. Like, this is what you want to see is a young player – progress and start to get better and the king still have his rights for a couple of years i know we see craziness on on twitter where people are like hey if you're not gonna play him just trade him and it's like it's because a lot of people just don't understand the progress of like there is a time-tested you know thing about how you bring along a player like this and you spend a lot of development time trying to fill a lot of the holes in his game and then when he steps on the court you're hoping that it's he's going to be able to produce. And so I'm okay with what the Kings are doing with him. And, and I hope that he does get some burn later in the season. But if he doesn't, it's probably because the Kings are better than what you hope they are. And, you know, yeah. so if he doesn't get to play, it's because of that. It's not because he doesn't have a shot to make it. I think he does have a shot to make it. Uh, what that means, I don't know. But I, I do think he's big. He's strong. He's got soft hands. He's athletic. Um, he seems like a great teammate. I hit Sean up because there was a moment where he lost a tooth and like, then he found the tooth and set it on the scores table. And then after the game, he went to go grab the tooth and it was gone. And then everyone at the scores table, I guess, was looking underneath the scores table for Namias Kata's tooth. They finally found it. And then he had like, he has a dental procedure set up for later in the week or something. Um, but what game was this? It was the Orlando game. It was the Orlando game. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Cassidy Hubbard talked about it on the broadcast, and I hit Sean up like, hey, man, you might want to follow up because for video, that's going to be a good story for him to tell. And I don't yeah. know if you were able to get him, but I could just see him smiling with a big tooth missing. I mean, Sean and I both covered, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Cole Aldridge. Well, uh, I thought you were going to say Ron Artest. Ron Artest, famously, <laughs> in, in a practice, they're scrimmaging, and he's gets his tooth knocked out and he's, you know, Reggie Theus is telling the story and he's literally like picks it up and he's like got it in his hand and he's just wrapping it in paper or whatever. Like, but he's, he didn't care. He like threw it off the side and <laughs> kept playing. Like, it, you know, it is funny, James, cause, and I, I should bring up on my computer here. I probably have the video. Uh, we talked to Nimi after that game in the Orlando game. I didn't know the story at the time, but, <laughs> but, I do recall looking at his mouth wondering, huh, <laughs> like there's something going on there. And, and, and I was like, I just wondered, I was like, did he always have that? Or and I'm like, maybe I'm now just seeing it. And I wasn't going to just go, Hey man, what's going on with your grill there? Um, and it, you know, I, so it, it, it was it completely out of my mind uh, 24 hours later. And I'm glad you texted that. Cause I was, I didn't know the story. I was, uh, I, I was very amused by it though. Yeah. He he's a big dude, and I hope that it works yes. out for him. Because understatement yeah. of the century, he is a yeah. big dude. 
I think every game we've played, he's by far the biggest guy out there. Yeah. We've played? Yeah, he, he's huge. Not we, that the Kings have played, that we've witnessed. Yeah. There we go. We've witnessed. There we go. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the one I want to see is Jalen Duran, and not, we're not going to get mm. to see it because yeah. they're not going to match up, but I would like to see how they sort of next to each other. Um, but even still, I think Jalen Duran isn't a true seven-footer. Uh, yeah, Kate is a, a big, big dude. And, and again, I, I think he's got a good spirit, and I think he's here for the process. He wants to get better. He wants to learn how to play, and, and he hopes that there's a potential for him to find a spot with his team long-term. I want to see him stand next to Chet. <laughs> yeah. Because that would be... <laughs> I want to see be... him. I want to see him grab Chet by the ankles, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, the Hulk grab Loki, and just start beating him against the ground. I think that that would be fun because Chet's just like this. <laughs> Every time I see Chet, I still think of like the the wind thing. You know the the thing outside oh, of the like, tire that's store, like a sock puppet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the big the big air thing outside of like a a tire store, like trying King, to get King people to come good... in. Kings did a good job of that. They had their the media day. They and you go to the game. They'd actually have the, uh, the the you'd have to do that. The windsock puppet as you were doing, and they had their Kings players do it. And that, that was a good bit during uh, during timeouts last year. Uh huh. You know, like okay, it? I thought it was funny. No? As yeah, the Portuguese I... of this podcast, I think I need to be advocating for for Nimi a little bit more. I'm pretty sure he needs to play 30, 36 minutes a night next year. Doesn't matter if it's next to Domas, it needs to happen. <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow. I, so he, so you should know what you should do is go have like Portuguese meals with him. Because I remember last year when I sat down with him at, here in summer league, and he was like looking forward to. He was already hearing from a lot of places in Sacramento saying, "Come check out our Portuguese food," and so that would be a fun story. I don't know that Brendan's a real Portuguese. Yeah, are we call him bullshit on that Portuguese. one. Or... <laughs> my last name is Portuguese. I don't know what we're talking about. Portuguese. I thought I was Portuguese my whole life until I found out recently that I wasn't. So I'm sticking with Portuguese. Oh man, that sounds like there's some drama. <laughs> you want to talk about it? No, we'll save it later. I'll tell you later, Sean. All right. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, let's go through some of the other stuff that's going on. Um, <laughs> I guess we have this. This weird workout that's going to happen, uh, or it's already happened, or something is happening with Shabazz Muhammad, uh, Matthew Della Vadova, and Quinn Cook. Uh, we got it confirmed. Um, I'm not sure what's happening there, uh, but the Kings do need a third guard, uh, a third point guard. Uh, Cook is 29, and, and of course, Della Vadova is 31 and hasn't played in the league in a year. Um, they also need some depth at the wing, and Shabazz Muhammad can flat-out score, but hasn't played in the league since the uh, 2017-18 season. He's, uh, again, only 29 years old. He's been playing in China and the Philippines. Drop, I think in the Philippines he was he dropped like 60 and 19 one game. Uh, uh, so so he can score, he can rebound, but um, are we hearing anything there? Because you guys are there, I'm not, uh, that's different from these guys? They were there for the Orlando game and then not for the uh, Indiana game, but I, I know they're spending some time around the team. I think the workout was a singular kind of one-off thing. You see that a lot in Vegas. Guys will just come in and meet with teams, and this ends up being a big hub for the entire league and teams to get, get much like pre-draft workouts at a combine, you, you get to spend a lot of time. You can go out to any of these, you know, Impact or any ABC 
you know, alphabet soup type gym out here to, to work out a guy and see a guy work with a trainer or their agent and meet with them. And uh, it's a lot like that. And those were some names that were eyebrow raising, um, but also someone like Quinn Cook, who is at least already in their organization and, and is being thought of more than just a G League player. And I know after speaking with him uh, last year when he came to Stockton, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's just so appreciative of the Kings being able to give him another opportunity, um, just gushing about the organization. And so uh, I think he played pretty well when he was in Stockton, and uh, I think they want to kind of get a little bit more look at him. And I, and I don't know if there's much interest out there. Uh, around. I'm sure there is in terms of G League talent, um, but I'm not necessarily thinking that I don't know how what the NBA other NBA teams would be looking like with him, but uh, if they've already got a familiarity with the roster and you know, he's somebody you could possibly see in a training camp, you know. And Quinn has a tie. He he played with Mike Brown and the and the Warriors, so there is that as well. Uh, Brandon, what what did you think of this list? Yeah, I, I had forgot um, as some people get here, so forgive any background noise. Yeah, boy, um, what's going I had over there? forgot that Quinn Cook was on the Stockton roster until you had said that, actually. Um, I think that Quinn Cook is definitely a better shooter than Delhi, and that's probably the way that I would lean, but I get that like if you're trying to set some sort of um, defensive intensity and maybe a little bit of a culture in that regard, that the Delhi fits that way better. Um, they're both very one-dimensional in my mind, and you know, it's just like a break in case of emergency type thing with this third string point guard, right? I don't think it's anybody that's getting consistent minutes. It's just more of if Fox or Davion go down, you need to have a backup plan. And that's what these guys are to me. Um, saw somebody report that Dennis Smith Jr. is working out with a handful of teams in Vegas as well. Who knows if Sacramento is part of that? Like it would fit the whole guys that are available that are still young and have more room to grow from there. That could be an intriguing option. Um, between the ones that were mentioned, I'd probably lean Quinn Cook. I was surprised that Shapaz Muhammad was on that list. Like, are we? I was like, are we sure it's not Shabazz Napier and they got the name wrong? Like, why is it two point guards and then Shabazz Muhammad here? Dude, it was weird just seeing him courtside. Like, he, it's not weird to see a guy courtside. When I saw Della Vadova at first, I thought he was, you know, working with a team. <laughs> I didn't think he was, at, at the time of seeing him, I didn't think that. And then it took me a minute to like zoom in. Like I was having a hard time uh, with with Shabazz Nape, or excuse me, Shabazz Muhammad. And I remember his pre-draft workout when he came through here. Uh, I remember the type of player he's been, and it's just a guy who hasn't been on the radar for such a long time. So, um, but you know, you think about the age range that they're trying to fit with people, and uh, certainly if they, if they feel that he can add some sort of toughness, a three and D, maybe. But I mean. I think he can do a lot better. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. I'll tell you, uh, last year, Quinn Cook with uh, in 11 games in Stockton, 35 minutes a night, averaged 23.5 points. He averaged 5.9 assists, 4.9 rebounds. He shot 44% from three on 6.8 opportunities a game, which was like he hit he had three makes a game. Uh, so, yes, he was impactful, and I wouldn't be shocked. I've also heard a couple of things. Uh, number one, Della Vidova, um has been, become like almost like a coach on the floor for a lot of young guys, especially when his stop in Cleveland. Um, like he's almost like a development coach. Uh, he's a guy that you know has a lot of experience and a good head on his shoulder and is willing to take guys under his wing. Um, and then with Shabazz Muhammad, um, I, I did some research too. 
uh, he talked about coming back. Um, I think he was interviewed in May about potentially making a comeback to the NBA. Uh, he said that um, he really struggled as a young player that, you know, when you kind of lose your spot in the rotation and you've been sitting there for 35 or 40 games and you barely played at all, um, I think he became a bit of a problem and he wasn't uh, he wasn't willing to accept the role of being a 14th guy or a 12th guy on a bench. And, uh, you know, so he worked his way out of the league um, by not being someone that kind of fit in and, and figured out how to, you know, work on his game and get better. He also gained a bunch of weight while he was sitting on the bench. Um, now he's at 220. Uh, he's worked hard to get his body in shape. He's 6'6", 220. Um, he can still, he's still a bucket. I mean, he's, he's always been a great scorer. He just has to do other things. And I think that was always the problem with him, whether he gets a shot or not. Either way, I would say this, the Kings could bring all three of these guys in, uh, during training camp, you're allowed to have up to 20 guys on the roster and you're allowed to carry 20 throughout the summer. Um, then you got to cut back to 15 and then your two, two way players. So you have a 17 man roster, but their two two ways are already taken care of with Kada and Keon Ellis. There's always a possibility that one of those guys gets promoted to a roster spot, but I could see the Kings doing something like very minimal guaranteed contracts for some of these guys, bringing them in for $50,000 guarantee during training camp and, and then seeing how they work out. And if they don't work, you just cut them at the end of camp or you cut them three days into camp and say, hey, it's not working out and it's we're going to go to a different direction. Um, they all have a specific skill set, and um, whether any of them will work out or not, I, I have no idea. But at least they're they're turning over stones. That's what it seems like, like they are with uh, Sasha Vizenkov, which I, I don't know if you guys have heard anything there, but the more, uh, the further along this thing gets, the less and less likely it is that he comes over this season. And I kind of feel like at this point, um, he wants, he's talking about like his people are talking about the biannual exception at 4.1 million. The Kings are looking more like at the, a, a, a minimum scale contract, which is still a lot more than he's making in Greece. But the problem the Kings were always up against is this guy just won an MVP at, uh, in the Greek league. And he's going to come here and be like the ninth or 10th guy in the rotation and I'm not sure that he wants to take that step back, especially at 26 going on 27 and really just burning out the the best years of his of his basketball life sitting on a bench in the NBA. And am, am I missing something? But I, I'm going to guess right now that that dude ain't coming over. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Kings shell out the four point one million bucks. Um, but again, a league minimum contract this year is a million in year one. Uh, second year is 1.75 third year is like 2.2 he's making he signed a three-year 2.7 million euro contract in europe which the euro and the dollar are only a penny apart as of today which is shocking um so it's almost the same contract it's 900,000 a year he would make a lot more money to come to the united states and and probably you know he would be in the rotation i would expect but in the back end of the rotation but it doesn't sound like that that's what he's in here. He He's in, uh, interested in. Yeah, and then staying over there, you're a legit star, you know. Yeah. You're, there, there's a different lifestyle uh, than what you would get out here. I will say, talking to some people um, just throughout the past few days, um, they're, they're not discouraged. The Kings are. The Kings are not discouraged about not being able to 
get him out to Vegas. It was something that they uh, that came on the radar and they were hoping that they could do. And and but that not happening doesn't mean that they're discouraged. And I don't think they're uh, going to be totally disappointed if it doesn't happen this year. Uh, I think they look to you know next year and stay that they, you know they completely understand. They know his situation, but that they're just as excited to do something next year. And I think part of that could be um, just main, some of the the way the makeup of the team and the way it maybe projects to be next year as opposed to this year, if that makes sense. Um, also with just some of the things that are in the works that they, uh, all the irons they have in different fires presently, if you know what I mean, throughout the, throughout the NBA. We're right now at a little bit of a standstill. It's like we were before the trade deadline last year and we were all waiting on Ben Simmons and seeing how that was going to shape how, how that was going to shake out. Well, now it's the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, uh, but mainly the Kevin Durant situation. So um, there, there's there's they're positioning themselves well. Um, you know, I think they'd like to be a part of things. I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen, but there's I think Monty even in that press conference with Kevin Herter and, and Malik Monk several times went out of his way to say. We're not done, and he always says it's never a done thing, but that they're hoping, that, you know, I think he's being very, very honest that they are hoping to do more, um, and they like the direction that this thing's headed, um, but when it comes to Vezenkov, I just, from the people I've talked to, and maybe it's all window dressing, but it doesn't seem like there's much disappointment there. Like, they're, they're still just as encouraged as they were, um, but, you know, maybe maybe the way they're projecting things out, if they can get them in, great. I think they'd love to do it. But uh, I think even if it happens to next year, they're still going to be just as excited about it. They're definitely having conversations. Yeah. Like uh, they're still having conversations. I, I have heard that 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 they're not done. There is a deadline though coming up. Um, I think it's the twentieth, July twentieth. Yeah, I, I think I heard two weeks, so I think yeah, that's that's got to be it. But it could um, have been the twenty fourth. To be honest with you, it could have been the twenty fourth. But I, I did see that there's a deadline for his buyout in Europe. Yeah, and I know that that they're. I know that from things I've heard, like the buyout thing will not be an issue. It's not no. something that is, you know, they, you know, that's something that they just already project for and good to go. So it's not like the money is holding it up. Um, it's just negotiation. And again, this guy's coming off a, a, a one of his best season yet, probably. I mean, I mean, you know, the, the MVP and um, you know, you kind of understand the way things are and culturally, it doesn't just work for everybody when when they make that jump. So. Um, I I think having those conversations and keeping the, the line of communication open, even if it goes into next year, is something that will be a accomplishment for them. Yeah, even just looking at the roster right now, it's like hard to see exactly where his role would lie. Uh, you know, I, I think of him as a four. I don't know if there's an idea that he's a three, but in my mind he's a four. And with HB, Keegan, Trey Lyles, Chemezi Metu, especially being that last one to me. Um, I, I think that it wouldn't surprise me, obviously, if there was another move that maybe all of a sudden opened more space uh, for, for next year to make sense. I don't think the, B, the biannual is the way to go about it, um, e even though there's nobody else right now that I think I'd like want to throw the biannual towards. I just think that next year you want to still be able to have that opportunity and it's not, I, I wouldn't want to use that on Bezenkov. Um, so maybe there's a move that ends up happening and, and it makes a little bit more sense for him role wise um, going into next year. Cause right now 
it's hard to exactly see where the opportunity would lie unless he came in and just instantly was clearly better than Trey Lyles and Shemezi Metu. And maybe that's the case, but also not too sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You got both those guys under one-year deals, which is kind of what Sean's talking about. Like, next year, the opportunity might be better, but maybe it won't because next year uh, Keegan Murray could be a 33-minute-a-game guy and there's 15 minutes left at the power spot, and you're not going to have any room for him there either. So I, I think we should all look at him and go, okay, if he ever comes over, it'll be interesting, and we'll actually get to see if he's got NBA game. If he doesn't, I'm not going to be too concerned about it. Uh, he's a, you know, it was the 50, Third. what was that? 49th, 49th pick in the draft is what they traded. And they got 1.75 million bucks in the transaction. Um, so again, I'm not too concerned about what's going to happen with that spot. Um, outside of that, let's see what else. Uh, the NBA just made the plan permanent or they're going to today. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? Love it. Hate it, Brendan. I already was operating as if that was what was going on. Um, I, I was honestly would not, was not aware that it wasn't a permanent thing yet. So I, I thought that it went well the first couple times they did it. I, I didn't like how different it was. I don't know. There was something about their traditional just eight playoffs that I, I think made it a little weird to me at first. But going through it, um, I, I don't have an issue with like a seven or eight seed feeling like, oh, I'm one of the top half teams in this conference. Like, I should easily get in. And it's like, no, I don't have an issue with having to fight for it, and it makes for good entertainment. Even if single elimination in basketball is not going to necessarily mean that the better team always wins, I think that uh, it's entertaining, and I'm, I'm happy it's a thing. It's the NBA's version of the wild card, and the wild card in baseball and football, they just work. You know, it, it just makes things more entertaining. It's hard to argue against. The one thing that I would hope for adding this gimmicky playing tournament, which I do like the fact that it, there is some separation in terms of a team that finishes six, seven, or excuse me, six, five, four, three, and up. Um, they get that little separation of, of schedule to just kind of reset, refresh. You're not thrown to the wolves right away. And, and you make it tougher for, for there to be parity to where someone can come in and take somebody down that way. That being said, I'm fully on board with it as long as there's no midseason tournament. I, I, I have no appetite for a midseason tournament in December or January or whatever the hell it is. I, I just I have no appetite for that whatsoever. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I can't handle the idea of that. I, I just don't think it's it's conducive. You I, know, they do it in other sports, but... This isn't soccer. Also, <laughs> sorry. No. Also, I will say this, too. I Don't be surprised if, like, I just think this paves the way to possibly removing conferences later on down the road and, and just doing a true 1 through 16 hmm. and then having your play in tournaments however they they take shape, so... I don't know. I, I, I feel it's like a, 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 you know, a prelude to what is to come eventually um, and certainly lends itself open to do that if they ever want to. I feel that they might, uh, but I don't think it would be imminent. I also think like we're missing one of the biggest points of it, and that is that it slowed down some of the tanking. You know, you have more teams that are vying for playoff spots 
even if I, I think this last year, well, maybe the last well, two Well, I don't know. Did it Maybe though? it was like, I mean... it, it, there was a bunch of like backup beepers going off like the whole time, like all these teams trying to get out of the play-in. Um, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. Yeah. It, and think about what you're about to step foot in this year, where you have a draft that's going to be really fantastic. Oh, for, and yeah. you already see people trying to unload, you know, looking at you, San Antonio, looking at you, Utah, like what? There's all all these teams that are already trying to set themselves up for for future uh, draft and and what have you. So yeah, I, I don't know that it did. I, I, I to me it felt like just no one wanted to be a part of it, except for the Kings. <laughs> like yeah, the except Kings for the Kings. Really, yeah. They're the only ones who really wanted anything to do with it. So and I think New Orleans. New Orleans wanted to get involved. They wanted their young players to get some of that experience early, like maybe earlier in the season. But once things shaked out the way they did with injuries and obviously Zion not being right, like. I think at that point they're like, nah, screw it. I don't. We don't, we don't need to be in that. Yeah, but they made the trade to like. Eh. <laughs> they right. out of all the teams that were around that area, they were sure. the one that felt like, okay, maybe they're at least trying. I don't know. I, I'm okay with it. Uh, like I, I don't like it grows on you after a little while. I I still hate the baseball plan. Uh, I think the baseball plan should be best two out of three. Because it's a 162-game season, and how do you get all the way to the end of that and two teams play, like, literally just head-to-head, and a pitcher could have an off night or someone could make some weird random error and it blows an entire season? I I think that when you look at, like, yeah, I guess. uh, But, like, the NBA, it feels like the one-game play-in, maybe it does work. And I think it does. It gives the eight-seed a lesser advantage than typically like at some point like the one seed deserves the one and two seed i think deserve to have sort of a little bit more of an advantage and because they are the best of the best uh for an 82 regular uh regular game season regular yeah whatever uh <laughs> but uh i do i see the value of it uh lastly what was the other um what what do you guys think about the fast break touch foul thing I mean, I, I like it. My question still is, what is the definition? Like, when do they have to call it? I think it's obvious when it is that call, right? Like, just off your own judgment. But they have to follow a specific uh, wording for this rule. And I, I just want to figure out clarification on exactly when it gets applied. Because I do feel like it's pretty self-explanatory, but there's a hard line in place for referees that I'm not... I don't have the most clarity on myself. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I need I need more. I need to I need some more education on it. I, I just the thing that just sticks out to me most about anything where it's clear path, you know, fast break touch, whatever it is, you should be penalized pretty hard for that because you're literally taking some enjoyment out of the game. Yeah, you know, it, it, like yeah like like if you're the team that has to like do this so that that guy can't break away and have his highlight spectacular dunk which everyone pays tickets to see and instead we're going to see some free throws like that needs to be highly penalized i don't know what the answer is so maybe this is it but you know i've got some questions and i probably need to see a little more of, of what they're what the thinking is with it but i don't know james what do you think yeah, because the clear path is almost like an offsides call in soccer. Like you can go to VAR and you can like see if the guy's arm is ahead. 
you know, so the clear path is very specific and is very reviewable and obvious on a review, whether a guy is ahead of the other guy or, or what on the touch foul. This is kind of arbitrary. Like, hey, are they breaking or are they not? I, to be honest, if the Sacramento Kings are a team that's going to run, this actually could come in handy. This actually could play to the Kings' strengths a little bit more where you do get to see De'Aaron Fox out on a break a little bit more and, and you know, Malik Monk and uh, Keegan Murray, who is very good in the open court and all that stuff. So so I'm kind of I'm kind of here for it. Like, I, I do hate that the, the stupid touch foul. And it seems like... Like my guy Omri Caspi might have been like one of the guys who did that like the most early on. It was kind of like the Omri move to like, oh look, they're gonna go for a fast break. Nope, I got you, and wrap you up. And so I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see how they like how they actually play it out because they are doing they're diving into more of the arbitrary as opposed to like a clear line. And uh, so yeah, I'm not sure that it's gonna be something that is well received all the time but i like the idea of guys in the open court going for fast break dunks and you know getting getting up and down the court um it was it was interesting to see like jabari jabari smith jr foul someone after he had a tough play and then like instantly you could see like oh crap i forgot that that's a thing now um because there's an adjustment of guys just forgetting that it exists i forget it exists i think there was one game we watched maybe at the cal classic that they called it one time, and then they didn't call it when it probably should have been called a second time. And I was like, did the refs just forget about that? So there's definitely an adjustment period that's interesting. Well, it's summer league refs, too. I mean, you got some that are yes. in the league. We got Richard Jefferson refereeing today. <laughs> I know. I kind of want to go over there and see that, but I, I think it's right now, right? Or is it right going on right now? No, it's later tonight. It's the last game of the night, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Second quarter, right? Yes. You know, somewhere I have uh, I have footage of Richard Jefferson in the locker room after they won the championship, just hammered, uh, like oh, doing an interview, and he's just lit. That make him a bad guy. No, I, I never put that out there, but yeah, he was, yeah, he he was having a good a good night. As he uh, should have. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Okay, let's finish with the business of basketball. Um, you guys ready? We are. I, but after this, I wanted to post something else. So don't let me forget because I've, I've had okay. a long week. <laughs> we'll do that for your final thoughts. There okay. we go. Okay. So uh, the business of basketball, are they actually going to do another big deal? Because I mean, even like Sabonis talked about it. Like he, he put it out there. Uh, Monty McNair put it out there. Are they done? What do you guys think? It's not going to be for lack of trying, you know, again, like there's, you're going to try, but I think a lot of times it depends upon what else is out there. Like, what do the other team want to do? Pulling off, executing a trade, especially a good one, it can be really difficult to do. And I don't think people really realize it, how, like, how difficult things can be. Uh, and all you have to look at is, like, the max contract deal, right? Like, that's a, that's a dynamic that exists that didn't exist years and years ago in making a trade. Like, it, things have become harder and harder with these max deals. So... Um, I, I, yeah, I think they're, they're going to be very, very aggressive. They're going to try to, then they like, you know, famously, as we always say, they, they link themselves together to everything. So they want to be talked about and be a part of something and, and find that optionality and be able to strike when you can. So I think the expectation is there, whether or not it happens, we'll see, but you know, I think they're going to try. Yeah, definitely think they're going to try. And obviously Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes are the two obvious candidates in my mind, and it feels 
more likely that it's that it's Harrison than Rashawn if I had to guess between the two. Um, and you know, but at, from what we've seen with Monty, like I think that at this point, I, I kind of think of them as somebody that's going to wait for the right offer, that they're not going to rush it. Like I do think it's probably a good, a very good time to move on from Rashawn Holmes, but it takes two to tango. And if they don't have an offer they like on the table, I think we've seen from the past, like Buddy Hill, Marvin Bagley, that if they don't have something that they like on the table at that time, they're willing to be patient and kind of wait for it. So I'm definitely thinking that this could be how the Kings go into the season at this point. Interesting. Uh, I think that they're going to, they're going to do their <laughs> best to not, get involved. James is not convinced. No, I, I think that they're going to swing for the fences still. I still think that they have something in their pocket that they're um that they're waiting to like figure out what's the best way to to approach this. And it it you know, it's not just Harrison Barnes. I mean, Harrison Barnes yeah, is I was like eight, say that. he's at 18.3 million and Rashawn Holmes is at like 11 point something, but you also have Chemezi Metu at like 1.9. You've got 2.6 million in Trey Lyles. You got 4 million in in uh Alex Len, the Kings still have a bunch of pieces that could work together to like form what is it, the uh, Voltron? Uh, like, there you go, Megatron. Yeah. Um, Voltron and Megatron. There was a difference between the two. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, together we form Voltron. But yeah, Megatron was like the the, the king of it or whatever. Yeah. Know. So yeah, it's I, one of those things where you could see all of. Yeah, this was a cartoon in the 1980s, Brendan. It, yep, is Megatron <laughs> not a transformer? Megatron is a, and he's a Decepticon, right? Megatron. Megatron is a retired football player by the name of Calvin Johnson, who absolutely (laughs) he's a Hall of Famer, and he hates his team, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think him and Barry Sanders (laughs) both hate the Detroit Lions. Yeah, which is sad because I love Barry Sanders; he's my favorite. Uh, Yeah, um, I think that they still have a deal. I think that they still have one or two um, that they could pull off here, Uh, and they clearly need wing depth. Um, whether you're you're talking about trading Harrison Barnes or not, they still need a second guy that can play the three. They don't have another at this point. I mean, you sure Kevin Herter can play some minutes there, and Terrence Davis can play some minutes there, but you don't really have a backup. That's why we're talking about Shabazz Muhammad, who hasn't been in the league in four years. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. Um, I'm gonna guess that yes, they are gonna still try to swing for the fences whether they get one done or not i'm not sure um sean let's go to final thoughts because you had something i did and this is going to sound very self-serving and i don't want it to be so this is very kings and basketball oriented and related and i don't know that it's necessarily a final thought because really i guess it does qualify because i've been kind of crowdsourcing certain people and i didn't hit you guys up because i knew we'd talk about on the podcast but we i wasn't able to join you guys last thursday and it was the day after i sat down with fox and uh, Deer and Fox. And yeah. I wanted to get your guys' uh, takeaways on that because um, I have mine and we'll certainly get to it. And I liked, it. I liked a lot of the, the, the comments from people that I saw uh, on Twitter and, and the interactions. And a lot of Kings fans seem to really, really like it. Um, but I, I wanted to hear what you guys thought of uh, what you saw from Deer and Fox in that interview. And if you say you didn't see it, that's fine. Sorry. If, you, if I'm putting you on the spot, uh, I, I don't know if you guys did see it. I, I, I would assume you did. No, yeah, I, I definitely did. I, I think that it kind of, 
in my mind confirmed something that I thought already was probably the case that like the personality and for lack of a better word, like vibe around the team is really important and having guys that he's going to like um, be around and on that roster, I think has a lot of value. Like in my mind, obviously the Buddy Bagley thing at, at the beginning of last year um, was kind of a dark cloud over in my mind over that over that team and, and made for a bit of a weird environment. And I think having guys like Malik Monk that he really gets along with the value of that, not only on the floor, but off um, when you're just spending so much time as a team together, um, that that part stood out to me a bit through that. I'll say this, like physically, he looked completely different than he did when he walked into last season. I thought last season he had the swole going, and and I don't know if he was out of shape completely, or or what. But like his arms, his shoulders, were all like like big and poofy, and like I have pictures of it, and it's like, okay, he looks totally different. That seemed to have gone away. Um, his dedication to being around the team and around Sacramento, I think, is better. Um, because clearly you were able to get him your, what you were with Gus, right? That's where I assumed you were. Yeah, yeah, he was working with Gus Armstead. Yeah, and you know, I think the fact that he wants uh, Luke Laux out uh, visiting him on his honeymoon for three weeks when he's going to Italy for three weeks, that's a big deal. I think like it's interesting when when you get a player come into Sacramento and they're 19, 20 years old and you watch them grow up. I think that's been like a fun thing to watch with Fox. And, you know, I've been doing this long enough that he's not the first person I've seen grow up in Sacramento. I mean, like DeMarcus Cousins, I've watched grow up from a 19 year old kid to, you know, what he is now, like a 31 year old man. And so it's always kind of intri intriguing to see them when they're young and they got spiky hair and they talk about swiping right on Tinder. And then you get to a point where, they're they're adults and they're getting married and their life is moving forward and and uh so yeah I, I enjoyed like his point of view i thought he was he's calmed down he's a tamer version he still has that cocky edge which i've always enjoyed i think he's funny um i get it i get his personality that that's how he has to be in order to like be the player that he is um so i don't know like overall I, like he seemed like he was in, he had bought in. So I don't know. What did you take away, Sean? No, it's, it's good to hear that. Uh, to go back to, to what Brendan said, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I will say though, like it, it's, I, there's a, um, this is definitely the most excited he's ever been going into a season. Uh, I think that just leaps off the page. Um, and that's not, I know Brendan was talking about the dark cloud with, with, with Marvin and, and buddy and, it's really not that it, it, it has more to do with, in my opinion, the pressure's off. I mean, this goes back to February and mind you, we talked about how terrible season came in bulky, uh, didn't, didn't have, wasn't used to that type of weight, which by the way, that won't happen again. I just assure you that will never happen again for him. Yeah. Um, that you can add, you can add strength, but it won't be what, what you saw going into last season. Um, again, 
him having to learn how to play off ball. Never had to do that before. Um, you might see a little bit more of that, but you're definitely going to see the ball in his hands. I mean, that's just that's just is what it is. I mean, Fox is best with the ball in his hands. Um, he needs someone to be on him to keep his foot on the pedal. Uh, he can't drift. He can't drift away in games where we where he doesn't always keep the foot down. But more than anything, and we talked about this, like having Demonis Sabonis it takes so much pressure off of him. It's the most talented player he's ever played with in the NBA alongside. No slight on anyone else. You added the Malik Monk thing. Yeah, the relationship thing is huge, especially because Malik's coming off a career year for himself. So it's like two guys who came into this to the league, you know, known, known each other since middle school. Uh, and this is, you know, we've talked about it. Like when they traded Amon Shumpert and Justin Jackson, it wasn't just Shump. I mean, Justin Jackson was like his best friend. You know, they, they knew each other for a long time. Um, Shump had that, that chemistry, that energy around the team that was never really replaced, that never really got anybody there. So uh, I, I think having somebody that knows him is going to, to push him. Um, it shouldn't take that. Uh, it, it honestly should not take that to have somebody around the team to, to, to push De'Aaron, especially when you're, you know, you're paid the way you are and you're supposed to be that head of the snake, as they love to say. Um, but it is true. Like, I, I, I see that. The other thing I'll say, too, is um, you mentioned Luke Laux, and, and I know we've talked about that, and he's going to take Jesse Green with him to, to Italy as well. Um, uh, him working out with just the, with Kings coaches is not something you would see a lot. Like, like if you just know the history, and um, he, 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 Bjorn doesn't keep a lot of people around him. He doesn't have an entourage. Uh, he, it's, it's a very close-knit circle. Um, and his agent is somebody he's known for a good portion of his life as well and is a close friend of his. And they always say, don't go into business with, you know, your friends or whatever, you know, but he did. And and it's worked out for him very, very well. That said, like he's got different, he's, he's got access now to different trainers that are, that are allowing him. Uh, I don't, whether, if, I don't know if it's, he's allowing it to be around or what, but something's changed there a little bit. I think there's a little bit more of a tolerance and, and an open mind. And I think that's big going into this year. Um, so, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a takeaway there. I thought it was very, very interesting. I like a lot of the, the comments he made, but he was just so excited. And usually you don't see De'Aaron Fox super excited about basketball. And that just, to me, really it just leapt off the page. And so I'm glad that there was uh, some feedback there. Uh, I know there's uh, you know people who, who are disappointed at the season that Fox had. I think all three of us, are, you could count all three of us in that camp as well. Um, but I, it was refreshing to talk to him. It was refreshing to talk to him away from the organization as well. Uh, I think just being kind of in a different environment, and, and that's why one of the things I, I didn't, I talked to him in SAC. It wasn't in Vegas, and that's one of the things I like about Vegas is you have the ability to do things like that uh, out here. So, um, yeah, man, I think I, 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 I was uh, – Pleasantly surprised, let's just say that. I was put in, and, and I think Kings fans should be encouraged by it. Yeah, I'll say this too. Like, I remember his second season, coming into his second season, he was so incredibly good. All we heard about was, oh my gosh, like, he's taken such a huge leap. And then, you know, the last year of Dave Yeager, you're like, okay, like, he was so good. And you saw, like, there's this potential for him to be great. I think the last two years, even for someone who covers a team, 
it's been such a harsh reality walking into the season that you just know they have no chance of being good. Like, not to be disrespectful, but when you have a free agency class that's Hassan Whiteside and Glenn Robinson the third, and you literally walk into a season with, like, six players, maybe even five that you know are actual players, that's brutal. Like, I don't even know how—if you're a player and you're watching your team do this, that's horrible. And then you walk into last season, and I think it's the same thing. You walked in going— man, we have a chance to be okay, but to be good? Not really. And we got these guys that don't want to be here and makes me not want to be here, like if you're a player. Um, like I think that this is the first year where it's like, okay, we added an all-star. We're bringing in players that make sense. We're bringing in players that actually help, that are fit players, that are guys who are going to make us better as a team. This is me thinking De'Aaron De Fox was thinking I think this is a moment where it's like, maybe I can be successful here, if he, you know, from his point of view, maybe he and, can and, be. And and to take it a step further, James, I I actually put the thing I'm about to say even higher about uh, on it. You know, you mentioned you know the, the the disappointment of 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 additions that they made. Certainly, I think the additions this year there, I mean, that gives them excitement. But I think there's an energy around Mike Brown that that no yeah. no disres no disrespect. <laughs> No disrespect to even Dave Yeager, Luke, Luke Walton. Um, I just feel like there's a a level of expectation that is is, is that is, is just right in the forefront with this team right away. And I think there, there's already a system in place. There's expectation. There's you know Mike Brown. You know, this isn't exclusive to Mike Brown. Luke Walton did this too. I mean, he'd go and meet with guys in different cities and things like that. Um, they'd have coaching, they'd have coaching staff members go out and do it. But Mike Brown doing it during the postseason of a dynasty of a team that he's involved with, and and being as hands-on and involved as he was during that time, even though he'd like, you know, he was trying to deflect, and and then he says at the press conference, like, no, no, that's a that we're, we're very hands-on. Um, I think that that's gone a long way, you know, and I think there's just an energy around Mike Brown that a lot of these guys respect, uh, you know, call it what you will, but I, I feel like there's just a different type of vibe around this head coach than prior than the previous head coaches, I should say. All right. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, watching Mike Brown on the telecast, he's just so fun, so full of energy, so full of love. I mean, I, and, and you know, a big shout out to Mark Jones. The work that Mark Jones has done this week for Sacramento, I think is like remarkable. He's on a national broadcast dropping like eight different restaurant suggestions. Um, I will I will say this, Mark, you said Louis Vuitton so many times that now everywhere I go on the internet, all I get is Louis Vuitton ads on my, my laptop because it <laughs> hurts welcome. you talking. Like, <laughs> thanks, bro. Like, I'm not buying any of that stuff because, you know— we're reporters here. We don't have that. That uh, what did they say? <laughs> they had some line about his shoes. James has two boats. Remind you, James has two <laughs> boats. I do have two boats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys will have to come up on the boats as soon as possible. As soon as you get back. Uh, but yeah, I just think that there's a different vibe. I, I think there is, and and I think a lot of that is 
is on uh, Mike Brown and and the smile and the energy that he brings. It's different. Like I can't remember someone who has this type of energy coming in the building, and I think it's good. Okay, so Brandon, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I thought it was hilarious yesterday watching Wiseman's debut, and that's clearly what everyone is there for. And I'm sitting there being like, holy crap, Robert Woodard's on the Spurs? I got to watch Robert <laughs> Woodard right now? And I totally forgot he was on the roster. I'm pretty sure he had a breakaway dunk in this game against Jabari. Um, I was way too excited to watch Robert Woodard, admittedly. Is Jemias anywhere? Not that I know of. I, I saw him post something on Instagram today. He's working out somewhere. Um, but most recently, from what, I, from what I know, last year he was on the OKC Blue uh, G League team. And I don't believe he's on a summer league roster. That's not a good sign for him. Yeah. All right, Justin Sean. James was. How about that with Orlando? A lot of, lot of familiar faces on Orlando. I, I can't believe we didn't spend any time talking about Keegan Murray versus Paolo Bancaro and that just unbelievably long, unnecessary game <laughs> that went to Sunday. That was some – That first of all, summer league classic. Not that was that incredible. Needed, not that there needed to be, but – it was a summer league classic. It was the best, it was the most intriguing game I've ever seen in summer league. And, I'll, and, <laughs> and to take it a step further, sudden death is weird, but weirder is the fact that this game took like two and a half hours. Yeah, that's wild. That's I, I mean, that and, I mean, Jordy Fernandez literally called up a play for Namias Keita to shoot a three from the top of the key. Brilliant. No, well, like, no. uh, maybe that's not what the plan no, was. But it wasn't. no, I, I asked him post game, was that the first option? He was like, obviously not. But it yeah, out. yeah, it was <laughs> like when Chemezi Chemezi hit the corner three and went from that fox pass. And it was like, was that the plans? Like, sure, sure, that was the plan. Of it was, yeah, just how yeah, we but out. that. It was fun, though, wasn't it? I mean, I, I know you guys were there like, is this thing ever going to end? And to have the timeout called in the sudden death, I thought was crazy. And then, like, it looked like the Kings got jobbed. Like, I, I watched it a million times like everyone Dude, else. that was a block. I that don't think so. Like, there was body contact. He hit the, the arm as well. James, James, you're the only one that thinks that, it was, that the Kings got jobbed, right? Brendan, you thought it was a block? I think it was a block. It's, it's a one block. of those hand yeah. is part of the ball type things. Yeah, but I mean, I had the replay again and again and again where you guys were there in the building. They like, they played it. They played it on the board several times. Yeah. And, and and now I don't know if we got every angle. I didn't want to go. I wanted nothing to do with that game going back and watching <laughs> it again. But uh, I w- and you know the other thing too, like how about two two things stand out again? I can't believe I this is the first time I ever really broke down a freaking summer league game. <laughs> but Emmanuel Terry's block. To go into sudden death was incredible. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, he blocked Keon. Keon had that fake dribble handoff. Oh, my Keon goodness. probably could have dumped it off to the big, but... Probably should have. Right? Probably should have. Yeah. He, he made a couple of mistakes. He hit the bank shot, but he also fouled on the three-point shot. Uh, yeah, he made a couple of mistakes there. The, the bank was crazy, and I thought, you know, obviously you got what, what, what Nimi and... and, and and Murray did with their threes, but how about a day murky to force that turnover? I mean, a day murky has been yeah. all over the place. So that was, I thought that was pretty, pretty fantastic. And I didn't think he got enough credit 
for for some of that stuff. He was pretty big in that last in that in that session. So he yeah. he forced two different turnovers. There was a different one I think at the end of regulation um, that he also forced. It, it seemed like it was kind of out of hand because Orlando was up 18 in that game. Dude, I want to say were, early fourth, late third. No, they were up 18, and I believe they were up 16 with just under three minutes to go. It was like 2:46. They had that like right? back-to-back plays where Matt Coleman just flat out stepped out of bounds. Back-to-back plays, like, come on, man! Like, there were some. The reason why that lead got big so fast was because it was like the other guys, the other outside of your right. your standards. Right. Yeah. But but to that point though, you closed a deficit of like sixteen oh, yeah. within like two forty six. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's I just think insane. Jordy Fernandez coached his ass off. He did. Like, I, I fully, he had his guys, like, we are not going to give in. We are going to keep fighting all the way to the, like, that is the one thing I took away. If that's a team that walks into this season, you're going to at least just without even dealing with talent increase, you're going to win five more games if you're a we don't quit all the way down the stretch team. And I, I hope that that's the personality that this team has because it's a personality that we've seen from Memphis for like the last three years. Like Memphis will foul you six times in the final 40 seconds. They don't care. Like they're going to play it out. And I hope that the Kings, we get to that point. I don't like the idea of being like even an hour later uh, every night after games, but uh, I definitely see a way that, you know, like if that carries over, it bleeds over at all. I like that mentality. This team has been lacking that mentality. Bancaro and and Murray were going to go one on one, and then he called <laughs> that timeout, and the place booed. <laughs> uh, yeah. I at first yeah. I thought they were pissed because this game was taking forever, and I think it was the Knicks. Was the Knicks next, or was the Clippers? I couldn't remember. Whoever it was, it was coming out of oh, Detroit. That's right. They were, they were standing in the tunnel for like twenty five minutes. Okay, and I'm gonna finish with this. I we just I know Brendan's got to go. We got, but I'm we keep dragging this out. There was a photo that went out with Balmer. Uh, did you guys see this? It was um, Jerry West sitting next to Steve Balmer, and then uh, someone that no one knew who he was, and then Kyrie Irving. Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you see this? I did not see this photo. Okay, well, it the guy that was sitting in between. Kyrie and and Steve Ballmer um like people were making in fun of him and like giving him a hard time cuz he's a a tall white bald guy. Uh Sean will know who I'm talking about, but I will just tell this to the people out there. Uh number one that that guy sitting there is a Kings fan. Uh secondly, he's a huge NBA fan and was living out like, an absolute dream sitting uh two seats down from Jerry West and getting to say hello. So he's sitting in between Steve Ballmer, the guy who gave you the Zoom, like that that stupid little. What, this was a bad iPod in the in the two thousands, Brendan, before you were born, I think. But it, Sean Dude, knows the Zoom. The Zoom was cool, man. I actually Zoom. There we go. Zoom. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's sitting between him and the flat Earth guy who destroyed a franchise because he wouldn't go get his his vaccination. Right. And the guy sitting there uh, is is one of Sean and I's friends. Uh, he took us out to dinner one time. I'm not going to name drop because I don't want to do that. Um, but people should understand that he is one of the most incredible dudes ever. He is not only is he a nice guy who took Sean and I out to dinner 
uh, with his wife, and they took us to a steakhouse and dropped, like, I don't even want to know. It was probably well over a thousand bucks on us one night. You remember that, Sean? Nope. You don't remember? <laughs> no, I do. I remember. <laughs> yes, of course. But also, I just want people to know that um, he is an eye surgeon that flies all over the world, like on weekends. And uh, they set up clinics, and he flies in, and he does incredible work to give people sight in like third world nations that haven't been able to see forever because they don't have doctors, eye doctors where they where they live. So he'll fly in for a weekend, uh, spend like thirty six straight hours doing eye surgeries on people. Um, some of these places, uh, it's so bad that like they have people who have not had sight for like 15 or 20 years and he only has time to fix one of their eyes but they come away with like having vision again um and he does this all on his spare time he's he's one of the good people in the world so if you're one of those a-holes who are out there making him fun of the guys hitting by steve Ballmer and Kyrie, just know that that right there is a tremendous human being that has done incredible work for the world and does not deserve to get made in front of on the stupid Twitter. And just a huge Kings fan. Huge Kings huge. fan. I had uh, a huge NBA fan. I didn't know he was he was there. I actually passed him and shook hands with him. Um, and every time I see him, I go, I know that guy. You know, you like, know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, and it takes me just like two seconds. And I go, hey. But uh, yeah, it was we were heading over to do post game for the Orlando game, and I and I saw him, and uh, I, I wish I was able to kind of catch up with him a little longer than I did. So. If he is listening to this, sir, you are appreciated. And uh, yeah, you know, look good people to out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good people out there. Um, yeah, he he's done uh, as much or more for the world as the two uh, multi. Well, one's a billionaire and one's a multi, multi, multi millionaire. He's done a lot of good work for the world. So and and then there's Kyrie Irving. And, well, yeah, that's <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> Exactly, Sean. Exactly. All right. Um, well, I think that's going to wrap. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. Hey, thanks for joining us from Las Vegas, guys. Hey. Of course. Glad to do it. Thanks. And thanks. Sean is wearing a spectacular Again. shirt. Yeah, man. Once upon a time in Hollywood, this is a meme. Here I come. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Leonardo DiCaprio, Brendan. DiCaprio is a big famous movie star that if you oh, haven't really? seen that movie, you should, you should see that movie. He's really good. Yeah, he usually has a very young girlfriend, it. supermodel usually, but, you know. Mm. <laughs> Brennan's it's also that we have. In, in the movie Titanic. <laughs> yeah, where he had plenty of room to get up on that goddamn headboard that Rose was yeah. on, but instead he had to keep his ass in the cold water. That was Sounds trash. Right. <laughs> yeah, plenty of work, plenty of room up there. <laughs> the Titanic takes with Sean Cunningham. That's right. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back later in the week with another episode. The Kings will have another game on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have some sort of reaction or something on, on Thursday. Uh, but thanks for tuning in to the Kings Beat. So uh, for Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham, and of course, Brennan Nunez from the Kings Beat and Kings Bulls Podcast. I'm James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. We'll see you very soon.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.